Welcome to Body Talk, a podcast brought to you by Ravishly. Serving up bi-weekly discussions dedicated to exploring the weird, the gross, and the wonderful of the human body. I'm Joni Edelman. And I'm Jenny Barrett. And today we're talking about body image and masculinity. But first, how are you? Sweaty. Because I went to the gym this morning. Um, not sweaty because it's balls hot outside? That too. I mean, I did balls ride my are bike. technically like a couple degrees cooler than the rest of the body, but... Yeah, that's like, anatomy. Like, it's spleen hot outside, doesn't really like roll <laughs> off the tongue. <laughs> no, it is, it is hot. It's going to be 106 today, Matt told me. But yeah, um, I rode my bike there, I worked out, I came home. Um, this is part of the uh, before, beyond before and after thing that we're doing, mm-hmm. and... Uh, yeah, so I feel good, but I'm sweaty, and I'm glad it's Friday, even though people are going to hear this on Wednesday. It's That's Friday fine. today. Yes, it is. And I'm Indeed. glad. How are you? I'm good. My cat has her first vet visit today, so that'll be a good time. It's a big day for you. It is. Uh, mostly a big day for Minerva, though, because she's going to be like, what the fuck? Why did you just put that thing into my asshole? Yeah. <laughs> She's not going to be In case you happy. don't know, they put a thermometer in their asshole. Oh, she's going to be, she's already like, she's really talkative. So she's going to be all, I can't imagine what she's going to be like when something's in her asshole. Yeah. Not, not good. Uh, okay. Not good. So done talking about my cat's asshole. Right. Let's talk about masculinity. Pussycat, pussycat, you're so thrilling and I'm so willing to care for you. So go and Okay, so we're going to be talking to Matt Joseph Diaz, since neither of us are even sort of kind of men at all. Yeah, we figured it might be a good idea to include someone who actually deals with masculinity on the daily. Yeah, like we deal with it, but in that live under the patriarchy sort of way sexism thing (laughs) (laughs) yeah that turns out the flip side is apparently no picnic either i know oppression hurts everyone (laughs) tell your friends (laughs) before we dive in let's get a loose definition of masculinity going so we know what we're actually talking about here because it's kind of nebulous yeah that's what i heard it's nebulous (laughs) it's nebulous Uh, well simply put and uh by simply i mean the first definition that pops up on google masculinity is quote possession of the qualities traditionally associated with men yep and it's important to point out that masculinity is not limited to male identifying people absolutely and ideally masculinity can mean what you want it to mean masculinity like femininity is femininity femininity I never spell it right. I always do like Femininity. 27 ends. Yeah, this is good to put a lot of ends in there, though. Femininity. Masculinity like femininity is some people's method for expressing themselves and their gender identity. Indeed. Indeed. My mom was always a little bit masculine. I'm like more masculine than my brother. Yeah. 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 My, yeah, my mom was like, yeah. Like, I say was, like I she's like dead. <laughs> My mom was always, (laughs) yeah, bye mom. No, yeah, like I like woodsy sense and shit. Like, yeah, (laughs) um, but what we want to focus on today though is how traditional masculinity impacts body image. It is not a good time. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Um, so aspects of conventional masculinity, because everyone has a working definition of masculinity floating around in their heads, but the kind we're talking about is like your homophobic aunt. 
um, mm-hmm. her mm-hmm. idea of masculinity. So things like aggression, stoicism, and strength, they make it really hard not only for men to like form a healthy body image, but also to talk about those issues if they come up because it's like no feelings allowed. Exactly. This basic philosophy of toxic masculinity, which is um, what this is, manliness defined by the lack of femininity, like you don't um, cry. Because women cry. Because women cry. And you don't also, you don't like flowers. Yeah. Which is, flowers are great. So. I know. And what, like, and what else? Or kittens. Why... You don't like kittens because dudes can't be soft yeah. enough to and like you kittens. Like... They have to have like a Rottweiler. Mm-hmm. And you like football. Yeah, only. Really, really hard. Only yeah, football. and football's not gay at all. No, it's just dudes yeah. just jumping on each other. In tights. Totally. Yeah, so all of these things, they stem from the same hatred of women that women have to deal with. Telling men, don't be a sissy, or that's gay. The idea that, like, being gay means liking men, and women, presumably, only <laughs> also like men. Um, and the, it's a fear of being like a woman. And the entire and like an entire sense of ego and identity has been wrapped around not being a woman. Right. That's a bummer because masculinity shouldn't be defined solely by its differences from femininity. It's totally reductive and leads to us doing the same thing with femininity. Like, oh well, you're a girl, so you must like flowers. Yeah. Or you and things like you lack strength. Yeah. You're too emotional. Yeah. Um, it creates like camps of man problems and women problems. And presumes that there's, like, no crossover. Yeah. That men can't have eating disorders and that women are preoccupied with their bodies because of vanity. And that's why they have eating disorders. Yeah. I mean, if you can say that mostly women are preoccupied with their bodies, but you can't make that as a blanket statement. Like, there are plenty of men that are struggling. And we just aren't seeing them because that idea of toughness doesn't allow them to be vulnerable in that way and to say, like, I'm worried about my my stomach or whatever. Yeah. And it's just... Like, there are places where you need to talk about how it pertains to women and then how it pertains to everybody. Yeah. And also, what we're kind of missing is how it pertains to men. Yeah. Ugh, there's so much shit to unpack. Yeah. We have help, though. We have Matt Joseph Diaz. Let's continue this conversation with him. I agree. Our experience is a little limited when it comes to male body image. Just a touch. Want to tell our listeners about Matt? I do. Uh, Matt... You probably know from his video. I actually talked about him last week too, mm-hmm. when we about were like, "Oh, oh my god, he's adorable!" Yeah. Um, his video that went viral just a little over a year ago, where he showed his body post uh, two hundred and seventy, I think, pound weight loss, um, like more than half his body weight, and shared his um, excess skin with the world, you know, in a really vulnerable way. And he cried, and he was. Um, he, was, he allowed himself to be transparent. I cried when I watched it. I did too. I watched it like three days after it came out. I was like, whoa, that guy is awesome. And yeah. Like, I was like, oh, feelings. Look at yeah. this person being vulnerable on the internet. And, and like, a dude. Oh, and people being like, well. You know what's interesting about that is after, um, well, first let me say that then I called him, I messaged him, and I was like, hey, you know what would be awesome would be if you would write for us. Yeah, this is like almost a year later. Yeah, and he was like, what? Are you kidding me? That would be awesome. And I was like, what? <gasps> he said, yes, this is amazing. I didn't think yes. I didn't think he was going <laughs> to say yes, but I was like, yeah. And he's actually, he does, um, he does our Mondays with Matt video every Monday, which is a super cute segment that he mm-hmm. does. It's usually pretty funny, short video. We've been um, told he says fuck too much, but he I does. Think it's fine. He does say fuck a lot. 
So do I. Yeah. And we're saying a lot on this podcast, so what the fuck ever. But, um, and then he does two articles for us, one on Wednesday and one on Friday. And um, he talks about uh, sexuality, male issues, body image issues, mental health issues a little bit. Um, and he talks about masculinity. He does. And um, he is so, he's adorable. He's like a super, super sweet person. He's really genuine. Uh, and I'm just really, like, we're friends, and it's so cute. He'll text message me, and he's like, hey, boss, what's up? Aww. Yeah. Um, he's a really good person, and I'm so glad s- that he agreed to do this with us. Not that he would say no, because he's mm-hmm. like a total yes guy when it comes to this kind of stuff, but I'm really glad he agreed to do it, because I think he has such amazing insight on mm-hmm. on especially that vulnerability, because he was. But anyway, what I was going to say is the interesting thing about that is that after we hired him, someone told me, I was talking about something about him and dating or something, and someone told me, oh, I just assumed he was gay. Like, oh, I just assumed he was gay. And I'm like, oh, did you just assume he was gay because he cried on the internet? Because I think this mm-hmm. this proves the point. Because somebody cried on the internet people or has flamboyant that, hair. Like, people say that about Lindy West's husband yes. a lot because of how he dresses. and Oh, like, he dresses nice. He must yeah. be gay. He and cares he has, about his appearance. Oh, he has cool ass hair. Yeah. Which is Ugh. like, not to say that there's anything wrong with being gay at all. And like people using it as an insult is annoying, but like you can have nice hair and not be gay. Yeah. Lots of people have nice hair and are not gay. Not me right now. Cause I am so sweaty yeah. still. I'm kind of gay, but my hair looks awful. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. There's not, there's no correlation there. It's not correlative at all. Okay, well, let's um, let's go ahead and give Matt a call now, and by which I mean call him and then insert his voice into this podcast later. Indeed. Because <laughs> editing and stuff. Thanks for talking with us ladies about men and body image today. Oh, yeah. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. Oh, we're so excited to have you. Yep. We should talk a little bit about how much we love you because that our listeners should know. Although I did say that before we called you. And in the last episode. <laughs> and in the last episode. So, I mean. The love is real. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, Basically, yeah, we if, love you. <laughs> if we're going to have this, if we're going to have this conversation, can I just step away for five minutes because I can't deal with like being party to people talking about how great I am. I love it. I just got to listen to it later. You understand? I think you can't. Listen, I was listening. I was listening. I was listening to Shonda Rhimes' book, The Year of Yes, because um, I like to listen to it when I'm on my bike because it's easier than reading. But she says in that book that you should learn to just, when someone says something nice about you, you just say thank you. That's all. You don't, you don't put your head down and feel bad. You just go, oh, thank you. You don't need five emojis. You can no, just say you just thanks. say thank you. Yeah. So here's what we're saying. You are amazing, and you say, now it's your turn. Thank you. <laughs> You're Good welcome. Job. Good job. You got it figured out. And it was only so uncomfortable right now. In the first minute of our conversation. Oh, yeah, I'm so glad we've had a breakthrough. It's really uh, a really day for me so far. It's only noon here. 
Okay, so I told the reader, the readers, the listeners. The one. The, the one. The, re- the one reader. That can't read. <laughs> uh, I told our listeners about you, um, your video, your writing for us. But it, would you, do you want to give us a little summary of yourself? That would be good. Like, yeah, sure. Who are you? Uh, like a little bit of an autobiography <laughs> and go. Uh, oh, that's not, uh, that's not at all intimidating. No None. Uh, well, so I have had a relationship with sort of the internet uh, and content creation for a long time. I started making YouTube videos when I was uh, 15 years old in 2009, just kind of doing small comedy things. And uh, at the same time, I was also 497 pounds. Um, and my sort of long-lasting career with YouTube and social media sort of accidentally became this this documentation of my journey to losing weight. Uh, and since 2009, I have lost around 270 pounds before surgery. Um, and in 2015, I decided to make a video that I posted online about uh, the excess skin that I had from the weight loss, which I had basically never shown anyone. And uh, needless to say, the video kind of blew up way bigger than I ever anticipated. Um, people estimate that between all the different places it's been sort of ripped and posted and shared, it's been seen around 170 million times. Um, that's a and lot. since that, that's just like, yeah. that's a few, that's just, just like, you know, like a third of it's America. A couple. That's just a couple. Yeah. It's a lot. And, um, and since then I sort of, uh, I basically changed my entire life around. I decided to, uh, dedicate my time to becoming a body positivity, uh, activist and public speaker. I, well, currently I write for ravishly basically full time. Um, and I basically, I decided to take the attention that I had from this and to direct it outwards because everyone made me feel as though I didn't need to feel like a stranger in my own body. And as soon as I felt that and the empowerment from that and the kindness from that, the first thing I decided I wanted to do was to try and help every person that could also feel that way. And now I'm here. That's real. That is real. We don't, we forget how much of an impact, like we don't think about it when you post something how much of an impact you have. And I know you have gotten so many emails and people reaching out, talking to you about how, uh, how inspiring you are to them. And that's re- that happens to me too. It happens to all of us. And we forget that when our face is out there, people are actually looking. Yeah. Like they're paying a, attention. I had a lady email me from Germany once and she was like, you're writing like, I was thinking about killing myself the other day. Oh, Jesus. And then That's I not read. Heavy. Yeah, not at <laughs> all. And then I read something you wrote, and then I didn't. And I was like, uh. No pressure. Okay. No pressure. I'm yeah. glad you're alive. <laughs> it was, it was like really, uh, you it's have no sobering. idea that it's gonna like go that far. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, I also think, I also think uh, one of the most interesting aspects of it, aside from the sort of, the surprising amount of reach you end up having is also the surprising number of people in your life who you end up touching that you never thought you'd be yes. able to relate mm-hmm. to. Yep. Uh, as of this recording, I just had an article go live today about the difference between sex and intimacy. And um, a girl that I used to be involved with maybe two years ago, who I haven't spoken to since early 2015, just sent me a text message out of nowhere telling me how she reads all the stuff I write. And that's my that's her favorite piece that I've ever written. And this really, like, really long dialogue started about, like, sort of the differences between the two. And I was like, oh, I've never thought I'd have a meaningful conversation with this person ever again. That's kind of the reason why we stopped seeing each other. <laughs> well, that, it's yeah. a really, it That's is a, fun a really. That's the fun thing finding your shit online. <laughs> that is a really good article, though. And it's, I think it's really applicable right now because people are, I mean, 
people are, it's okay to be a little nonchalant about your sexual encounters. Like you don't have to consider every single sexual experience as your possible mate for life. Like, which is like totally cool and probably better. (laughs) (laughs) So people can relate to that. I think that's the cool thing about it is people can, people can relate to it. I, um, it's especially, I'm especially glad that it's a nonchalant attitude because that's probably like one third of the pieces I've written have been yeah. just these like insane and wild stories about very real things that have happened to me. And only once or twice did I actually get a message from someone who was like, hey, so I'm the girl in that story. Uh, <laughs> uh, they're like, thanks for changing my name. Um, and I was like, yeah, you know, I didn't, I changed your name. So, you know, legally can't be, li- it's not liable. So we're good. Right. We're good. <laughs> we're good. Yeah. It's not slander if I change your name. No. Nope. And so if you were, whatever. It's not. It's not. <laughs> or libel. Which one is when you write it? Uh, libel. 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 Slander, right. is, slander is spoken. Okay, let's talk about the movie. Yeah. And. How did everyone like it? What we're talking about is The Mask You Live In. Oh, right. Which is made we should by, tell people that. Yeah, by the same documentary production company that made Misrepresentation. And The Mask You Live In made me cry way more. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I think because there is, it's, it really is really sad. And you can relate to it on a different level when you think about the men you yeah. know who have, who are encountering that on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And you're like, whoa, the patriarchy is so fucked up. Fucked up, yeah. <laughs> so, Matt, everybody. you watched it. Um, we talked about it last week, too. <clears throat> we touched on it briefly, but why don't you tell us what you thought about it? Well, Since you're um, a guy and everything. Duh. Okay, yeah, I'll be... Speak I'll be upon the, uh... behalf of your whole gender. <laughs> <laughs> No pressure. Oh yeah, I'm sure. There's no way. There's no way this could possibly go south. Um, mm-hmm. And we well, have no so, idea what that feels like at all. No. <laughs> I, <laughs> I actually just watched the documentary last night, um, and it it really kind of pulled at me and made me very emotional in a very real way. Not only because it was a very stark, very realistic portrayal of what a lot, if not all, men are dealing with, but also because I related to a bunch of it on like a very personal level. Anyone who looks at me can immediately tell that I'm not the most masculine dude. I mean, currently I'm a like six foot five guy who regularly wears floral print and has a bright pink mohawk. Um, I love and, your mohawk. The end. <laughs> well, I, I'm obsessed with it, but you know, it's very traditionally more effeminate than it is masculine. And uh, I'm someone who has struggled with his own masculinity for a long time. I my my father was a marine. Um, very like very strict family man, very loving, very supportive, but also just a man's man. And you could tell that was what he wanted for like my brother, my older brother and I actually one of the really funny things, like one of the funniest exchanges I ever had with my dad was I came home from a bar one night and he's like sitting on the couch drinking 40 ounce. My brother is a musician and I'm a writer. And I told him, I'm like, Hey, um, you know, you ever think about how weird it is that, you're this like really strict military family man. Your sons turned out to be a bunch of feminine artists. And he just kind of looked at me and he took a sip of his beer and he was like, try not to think about it too much, son. And that was the only conversation we've ever had about it. But um, as someone who felt the need to be masculine for a long time, that was really a huge root of a lot of my self-esteem issues growing up, even before the whole overweight thing was, I was very clearly not like these other boys in my kindergarten and first grade class. And I felt very ostracized very quickly. Um, and you know, as someone who I I like to consider myself, someone who's sort of broken free of that matrix. Um, over the past couple of years, I've very much come in touch with the more feminine things about me. And now there are some of my favorite things about me, but 
being sort of someone who is awake and aware of these things and refuses to adhere to these views of masculinity, seeing the people who are still in it and seeing the people who are still sort of trapped and locked in it is constantly heartbreaking because you're basically seeing yourself very recently and you're seeing, uh, especially when it comes to people closer to your age, you're seeing the life and the issues you could have continued to develop if you hadn't had broken free of that. And it, it was a really moving documentary. It was, it was, I'm someone who loves documentaries, but I've never related to one that I've watched so much. I usually watch ones about like weird history stuff or like strange social issues I can't really connect to, but this was a very real and very personal thing and it attacked me in a very raw way. Me too. I like war documentaries. Um, those aren't depressing at all. <clears throat> of course not. And that one about that like marathon in Tennessee that's a hundred miles long that you don't get a map for the like human I did that's my shit yeah um (laughs) no but this was watching this I thought I have the opposite kind of dad my dad is like the soft nurturing uh parent I mean my mom's great yeah but my dad is way more feminine than she is yeah and um, your mom is a badass yeah no my mom is like rock hard (laughs) like um and my dad grew up in uh a Mormon community and in Mormon culture, maleness is everything. Like yeah. it is, it's literally godliness. Right. And that's a lot of pressure. No pressure. That's a lot of pressure. And he never did the things that you're supposed to do, ha- got the job you're supposed to have in order to be a real man. And yeah. like, that's shitty because he obviously is a real man because he's a man. And, <laughs> and he, you know, I think he, had a really hard time with with feeling like he couldn't be a whole person if he wasn't masculine enough yeah and yeah. that's just dumb I've seen this in my dad recently too that um my dad is the youngest of seven and right. his he's uh his parents are German um so he's like first generation but he he was raised his father's very stoic and you know, like emotionally, physically abusive probably. But uh, my dad has always been, I mean, he's always been sort of warm, but he's never been like emotional. But Mm -hmm. in the last year, he has broken down and cried so many times to me. And just in a really genuine way, like just willing to be vulnerable. And we went to James Taylor on Tuesday and uh, we took Kelsey and we were sitting, it was Matt and then me and then Kelsey and my dad. And um, one of the first songs he played was Secret of Life, which is a song that my dad and I both really relate to. And he just started bawling. He was just crying so hard. It's making me cry. Even talk about it. Because he was really letting himself Mm -hmm. just feel that. And it's, you know, he's 63 years old. I mean, or 63. No, he's almost 66. My mom's 63. But anyway, um, it it was so amazing to see someone that age be so willing to let it out, you know? My dad's done I, that about the Beastie Boys before. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Beastie Boys are really good. I have found that, like, see, my, my father, my father is, uh, he's a family man. He was, he was one of the only boys among, like, six sisters. And, Whoa. Um, yeah, so very naturally that sort of protector uh, mentality sets in. And, you know, he's always, he's always been, the support and the care is always there, but, He's not one to express it. You just kind of know it inherently by the fact that if he didn't, if he didn't care for you, you wouldn't be there. Right. And my father, like, I don't know. I have no idea how to explain this better, but 
the moment that you see my father cry, you know that like some kind of big emotional upheaval has happened. Like you know that the world is a different place than it was immediately before this happened because it takes a lot to move him emotionally. I see my dad cry literally twice, no, three times in my life. And two of them were within, with, within the last four years. One of them was when I moved a month ago. And Aww, um, he was saying, sad time, to say goodbye to you. Yeah. And the first time I saw my father, like the first time I really remember seeing my father cry was when my, my cousin, my best friend passed away um, in 2012. And there was this point for about two days when my dad would cry about it. You know, he lost his nephew, but my dad would cry about it only when he looked at me. And I realized that uh, my father, my father's best friend was his brother and his brother died when I was very young. And Aww. so it, he saw kind of like, he saw himself having to live without his best friend and his family for the rest of his life. Aww. And uh, right before I moved in like the three weeks or so before I moved, my dad was really cold to me. Didn't talk to me a lot. Didn't want to bring up the fact that I was leaving until like the last four or five days when he became the most helpful person to help me get everything set up. And then seeing him cry right before I left, it was like, oh, wow, you are a human being who just worked through your emotions. And I witnessed that. Like, it's one of those moments where you realize that your father or your, your, one of your parents is just a human being. Like the first time you see your teacher shopping at the grocery store and you realize yeah, like your dad's not just your dad he's also a person yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. exactly it's like oh wow the reason why he was reacting badly was because he actually had to work through a certain yeah. emotion he and has feelings you know, <laughs> weird <laughs> i thought my dad's feelings were like upset about commies and like slightly beer drunk like that's it i thought that's i thought that was all dad had in them but he was really really showed me a lot these past few weeks masculinity and femininity um is more the rigidity of it than anything like femininity is a lot more fluid yeah and masculinity there's like it's a very like defined line in the sand very yeah. strict set of rules yeah. yeah how did having to navigate in that like super strict um construct how did that affect your body image <sighs> It was, it was really, I mean, the, the, it wasn't even being the, like, it wasn't even the being overweight part of it that was difficult for me when it came to uh, not being able to openly discuss my own body image issues, because that's a very, in some ways, 
um, dealing with like the way you're treated socially and publicly for your weight is one of the most straightforward, honest, and blunt things a human being can experience because of just because of the the way that we tend to look at fat people, like it's socially acceptable to be mean to them. And so sort of in developing my own body image when it came to my own feelings, like all I had to do was kind of push those things down and pretend to be tough because if I got an emotional, not only would I have been a sissy or a wuss, but I would be one that was six foot five and 500 pounds. And so it would look yeah. even worse just because I'm not, I'm not even just a guy crying. I am a mountain of a dude that is crying. <laughs> um, but the time it really I mean, I love you, but you are like really big. I'm, I'm a giant. I'm okay with you that. You are. Okay. So I want to stand next to you. And just be like, look, I have to look up at you because you're almost a foot taller than me. I'm I'm six foot, I'm like six foot six on a good hair day. Okay, I'm five six, so yeah. Yeah, me too, <laughs> foot taller. Yes. Literally yes, so, foot taller. <laughs> I, um, the, the toughest part, I think, especially when it came to sort of the development of my body image related to my masculinity and my feelings, uh, happened when, like happened after I'd already started losing the weight and I began to notice the excess skin because it it was basically an active secret for about four years uh, because I, I kept everything covered. I never let anybody see it. I kept things hidden. And in all that time, people were telling me how great I looked and it felt like deception. And I, all I wanted to do was to reach out and tell someone like, Hey, here's what's actually going on with me. Here's yeah. how I'm actually feeling in my body. I feel, um, I've, I feel like I'm an uninvited guest inside my own body. And wow. I that's can't. Shit. That's some profound shit, Matt. <laughs> Holy crap! I, but I can't. I couldn't express it to anyone because, at this point, you know, it's it's the, one of the most difficult things when it comes to developing your sense of self and developing your body image is that it also happens during the most formative and emotionally difficult years of your life, which is when you're like 16 years old. Yeah. So not only are you struggling with wanting to be liked, wanting to be seen as some kind of grown up, you don't know, you just don't have the experience or the context to like accurately tell whether or not something you're experiencing is a unique and messed up like thing, or if it's just something that happens to everybody. And so there's a sense of terror that comes with it. And so like I developed all these really deeply rooted anger problems because I felt like I wasn't allowed to express who I actually was or else I'd be betraying what it meant to be a man, you know? And, and, and that was such a, a difficult experience for me. It took, it took sort of the, the realization of um, everything getting out there in terms of me being emotional and, you know, me literally crying on camera to millions of people to really allow me not just to be comfortable in my body, but to be comfortable in my own quote unquote femininity, whatever, whatever you want to call that. Yeah, um, yeah. I think one of, I oh, I'm sorry. I'm interrupting. Yeah, go ahead. I think one of the things about masculinity that is the most difficult is it's really insidious. Like being a girl, I know like I'm fucked from the get-go, right? <laughs> like it's it's pretty apparent. Yeah. Um and yeah, thus the multiple waves of feminism. Yeah. Right? And like when you're 16, it's really shitty cuz you're being sexualized and you do not want to be at all and things like that, but you also like find riot girl at that time too. Mm-hmm. And boys just have like Jessica Valenti too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and boys just have like men's rights activists, which is yeah. nothing, you know, and and you know, they because of the way masculinity is where you can't talk about your feelings, no one's asking for help that has to do with masculinity. And so there's no language for how people are feeling. And we think of men as like the de facto gender. So 
we don't talk to them about having a gender identity. It's it's yeah. so strange because you know the I, I think insidious is a good way to put it because um, the sort of the issues when you know I'm never going to try and speak on behalf of women because who the fuck am I? But like the <laughs> but when it comes to issues of women, like the one thing I will say about it is that it is abrasive and it is consistent and it is constant. You can't be a woman and not be aware of these problems because they will be yelled at you from the street. Um, Literally. Yeah, yeah, and when it comes to and when it comes to men. Like many of us, until we're faced with it, don't even realize that there is a toxic system at play. Because when we're younger, we're just kind of taught this is the way things are. And then we have our privilege that call, that gives us certain benefits. And because of the way pop culture works, we're told we thrive in certain environments. So until you're aware of like, hey, um, toxic masculinity is a very real problem that affects men in a very real way. Dudes don't even realize that there's an issue with that. And that's when it becomes like, that's something that's really terrifying about it is because how do you, when you try and teach a man about toxic masculinity, when you try and teach him to express his feelings and his emotions, the first layer you have to get through is, hey, listen, everything you know about this system is like deeply, deeply fucked up. Yeah, I have a really close uh, male friend and he is really resistant to the idea of toxic masculinity. And he's like, you know, just because there's toxic masculinity doesn't mean masculinity is bad. And I'm like, I know that's the whole point <laughs> is that toxic you're masculinity it. literally sucks the joy out of uh, you expressing yourself. Yeah. It, it's, it's such a, a terrifying thing. Um, and it's, it's weird the way that like, you know, I, I've always found that, you know how, like, there's that typical idea of, of like, feminism that sort of gets in its own way sometimes where there are people who think that, like, the only way to rebel against sexism is to go the opposite way and be tough and be abrasive, but then they kind of, they talk down to women who decide to be feminine. Do you, do you know what I mean? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. No, when women <laughs> try to masculine <laughs> We're like, we're like nodding, nodding, yeah, nodding. Like, yeah, like the type yeah, on yeah. business executive <laughs> yeah. who tries it's to act like of, a dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where it's, um, where there's a deeper layer to it where it's like, hey, you can be either of these things and still rebel against the system that's trying to oppress yeah. you. Yeah. You can um, also be a mix of them, which is yeah. what yeah. most people Weird. fucking are. <laughs> Well, this exactly. is like what we're doing with before, beyond before and after. We're talking about the the space between body acceptance and activism and wanting to change. And there's there hasn't been a lot of there's not middle ground a lot of time in in social justice stuff. There's just not. It's like either fuck the patriarchy or I'm or you're suppressed. A part of it. Yeah, or I'm yeah. a part of it actually, or I'm being oppressed. Yeah, by which it. is the 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 weird thing is. While you're saying fuck the patriarchy, you still have to live in, in the, the patriarchy. patriarchy. Of, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the sort of like one of the most interesting things that I, that I find when it comes to men who sort of realize toxic masculinity is sort of the way they decide to rebel against it. Uh, because it's sort of like taking your femininity back. Where if you were to the, – the moment, the moment that the video really blew up and went viral and I was sort of exposed for being someone who felt things very deeply and was very insecure – um, if you were to take a, if you were to make a montage of every selfie I have taken since that day, you can gradually see the way I dress and the way I look just become exceedingly more like elaborate and mm -hmm. like feminine. And the reason for that is because, Hey, these are things I always wanted to try, but I was always scared to, because I was afraid of how I'd be looked at. But now everyone's kind of looking at me anyway. So fuck it. Let's You're go. Like, yeah. 
You're like, and, uh, fuck it, rainbow hair. Yeah, but <laughs> uh, but a big a big part of that for me personally was um, when I was when I was very young. Uh, I was obsessed with flowers. I love flowers. I wanted to. I wanted to have a garden. I wanted to uh, to tend to. We had one of those little windowsill boxes that you have in the city that you can kind of grow yeah. herbs, like little like, flowers. From. Yeah, like two and things. I, I used in. To, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I used to. I used to tend to it all the time. And then um, I wanted to just like I wanted to be a part of a community garden when I was really young. And uh, by the time I was, you know, really coming into school and developing sort of social cues, I stopped all of that because it felt like that wasn't something that men were supposed to do. And it was something I still loved and something I still love to this day. And when I decided to um, sort of take back my own femininity and my own style, floral print became a very big thing to me because it was like, here's something that I've loved since childhood that, I've, that I was always shamed for and I'm going to wear it on fucking everything I have yeah. because it's like me. We were talking about this before we called you about how like liking flowers automatically means yeah. you're a wussy, which doesn't make sense to me because flowers are like symbols for vaginas. So if you're all about like hashtag yeah. no homo, you should yeah. probably like them. Yeah. Oh, totally. George O'Keefe up in here. Yeah. I saw some post uh, about how boys don't get flowers, and I was like, yeah, that's bullshit. I love like I want to know someone's thinking of me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I told I, I've said this before to you, Joni, where I'm like. Uh, one of the one of the things on the internet that I've like identified most with is uh, I don't know why people call you pretty boy as though it's an insult because I want to be the prettiest boy anyone's ever seen, <laughs> and that's very much like it's it's those things where you know you, the insults so that people real. the insults that people will try and throw at you if you're a dude who acts more quote unquote feminine, which basically just means like if you care about things openly and enjoy certain things about like fashion and style yeah, like oh how fucking awful <laughs> oh my god how terrible like oh god this guy wants to wear something that isn't a flannel button up fuck me i guess um it's it's one of those it's one of those things where like people will try and insult you but like i don't it, the reason why it doesn't bother me anymore is because there's nothing like even if i am feminine there's nothing inherently wrong with that yeah there's nothing no we, i think that's we were awesome. talking about this at the beginning um because Sometimes when you bring up masculinity and men, women are like, what are you talking about? And it's like, no, this comes from the same place of women are awful and we should be as unlike them as humanly possible. And femininity is bad because women are bad and we hate them. So don't be like the people we hate. We're, women are bad and we hate them. Yep. Well, and that's, I, a, that's a direct quote from you from now on. The, the, the fucked up thing about all of this is... Most women, if you did a survey, most women would be like, yeah, I would like it if my dude was a little emotional. Like, I would like yeah. it if he was like, I love you enough to cry. Like, you, not that our approval you. matters, but right. but it's not like, like men wearing floral is hot. Yeah. And men right. having feelings is good because that's yeah. a that's human, human Yeah, thing. that's like actually a yeah, human thing. Yeah, one of the things that I really took from the documentary was that we're 90% similar. This thing. Yeah. And there's a 10%, you know, thing that's different. And that's what we form so much around. Yeah, especially. Ugh. Yeah, especially because, like, I think a lot of that 10% is different. Like, that's different is a part of, like, the culture with which we raise these people. Yeah, it's like, socialization. It's yeah, and that you're told it's ninety percent. That's how that ten percent happens. Yeah, exactly. It, it, and it's so ridiculous. And 
the, one of the things that I uh, that I took from the documentary, especially as like a person of color, was just the amount of like the amount of uh, how they went to like heavily minority schools and how yeah. they spoke to a lot of people of color, especially like in the in the prison system. Yes, and the way that like. I think the very ending uh, where the the dude who's in the class, like the, the the dude in prison who's in the class starts talking about getting out of the quote unquote man box and allowing himself to yes. feel whole by uh, embracing his feminine side. Um, what you find when you sort of open the discussion to how people are emotionally is that men are like way more self-aware and like way, they have so so many of us have a way, like a really deep, rich inner life that never gets vocalized because we're scared to. And I, I have, I have these friends like back home. Um, I have these friends who are supportive and kind and loving, but they're all like straight white dudes. And there are certain things that are rarely discussed and rarely talked about when it comes to like how they feel about themselves and each other. But when we do have these discussions and when they do actually open up about, about how they feel, it's some of the most like poignant, profound emotional discussion that I've ever had in my life. Yeah. And yeah. it's, and it's such a rare thing and you can tell how heavily it's internalized and how many times they've thought about this thing and experienced this thing. And it's all because they feel like they aren't allowed to share it. Yeah. And then yeah. you're not letting yourself be a whole person. Like yeah, and it's, that it's same, suffocated. that same thing happens when you are in, when you're a woman in a group that's all women and you see people feel physically and emotionally safe. And that they're not going to be called hysterical and that no one's going to say something awful to them. They just chill the fuck out. <laughs> and it's amazing. Like, you see all of these layers of stuff get discarded. Yeah. And it's by focusing on this 10% of things that make us different, and a lot of that is stuff we have constructed ourselves, mm -hmm. we are being 10% of, like, of people, of a person. I've always, yeah. I've always said that, like, my... Um, my, my main goal when I have a conversation with somebody, I've, I've actually been considered uh, writing something about this recently. Um, I have this story from when I, I, I met someone at a bar who was the close friend of like three or four women I'd been involved with. And so she hated my guts. Um, and <laughs> of course and she, she did. <laughs> well, yeah. So started, well, because you know, I was 21 and I was a shithead. Like every, every, yeah. everyone who's 21 is kind of a shithead. So yeah. Uh, and women are a little, it's, it's a tribal thing. <laughs> but we, we started talking and it was very like, it was very uh, defensive and like sort of angry at first, but uh, we kept talking, we kept having this conversation and eventually she said to me, you know, I, I understand why all of my friends were like interested in you. And I was like, oh, it's because I'm well-dressed and adorable. And she goes, no, not that at all. <laughs> nice said, try. Yeah, well, you know, a boy's got to do what a boy's got to do, but um she said that I had this ability to make people feel safe and important when I spoke to them. And I said that the reason for that is because I have met, like I've met people I've loved and I've met people I've hated, but I never met someone who didn't matter. And when I meet someone and have a real conversation with them, the first thing I want to do is establish it as a safe space where we can actually talk and be people. Because, you know, when, when, I, I wanna I wanna be able to say that the quote unquote I don't see gender, but I have the privilege to not have to see that because I'm a dude. In reality, like I understand that there are things that make us different and separate us, 
but I want us to be able to communicate as human beings, not in spite of those differences, but like to learn from each other because of those differences. Yeah, I think what you just described is called intersectionalism. (laughs) Oh, weird. (laughs) Where you're like, oh, all of these weird things come together and make a person when we consider them all of these things and also just themselves and let them be everything, then they feel like they can be everything. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those, like, it's one of those things that it's, it's so frustrating to see people discuss because when it comes to issues of sexism or when it comes to issues of like race, especially when it comes to issues of race, you'll find people who are like, no, guys, it's okay. We're all the same. And it's like, no, we're not. We're actually all very, very different. And if you can stop like pushing those things to the side so you don't have to try and understand them, then like this conversation could actually happen. Yeah. And And that's like really fucking boring if we're all the same. It's so, so dull. And it's, it's, it's one of those, it's one of those things where like you just, if you want to be able to have this conversation, like if you want to, if you want men to be able to uh, op- express their feelings openly. Um, I think the documentary said to uh, to exert your influence. Well, that was like that was like one right. of the last mm-hmm. words in the documentary, and it's it's something that I think is is probably the most important message of this film to men is hey, if you want this to change, you kind of have to be that change. Be the change uh, you want to see. Yeah, and it's 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 intimidating and it's scary. Trust me, as someone who has like very publicly been trying to create some of these like safe spaces, it's really scary, and you're going to get called out a lot, and insulted a lot, and threatened a lot. But if you aren't going to try and incite change in the world around you, like what's the point of being here and trying anything? Yeah, exactly. Uh, (laughs) Thanks so much for talking to us. Yeah, my pleasure. It's a yeah. very emotionally heavy way to start my day, but... Yeah, I know you just, like, woke up five minutes ago. I feel cleansed now. <laughs> now I gotta go take my cat to the vet. I'm gonna go cry. I'm just gonna... I'm gonna cry. I'm just yeah, gonna no, cry. I'm gonna... I'm, I'm gonna sure cry. I'll cry at the vet, but... <laughs> <laughs> She's not gonna be happy. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, it's... It was my pleasure to be here. I'm so glad I was able to have this conversation with you, too. Yeah, thanks I, so yeah, much. Yeah, and definitely, um, your editor gives you approval for the next piece. Oh, good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks. I'm not your editor, but I'll say yes. (laughs) Have a great day, Matt. All right. right. You guys have a good one. Thanks.
fun. Matt's cool. I love him. Yeah, he's, he's great. He's uh, so um, insightful, like, when it comes I to know, his just own body w- image. whipping out the stuff. wisdom. I know. He's really smart. Yeah. Do you know, I mean, he's only 23. When I think about that, I'm like, wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I was 23, I had two kids, but still, I feel like I wasn't that, I wasn't that insightful. Wasn't that reflective, certainly. I don't feel like I'll be that. <laughs> I'm so, I'm a little ways away from that, but I, and I'm like, no. No. I won't be there. I won't be that actualized. Uh, okay. So. That's that. You've been listening to Body Talk, presented by Ravishly. We'll see you in two weeks when we talk about diets with Isabel Fox and Duke. Yep. Which Isabel. is what you were supposed to say. You were supposed to. It's okay. Uh, I say who Is- the guest was. <laughs> <laughs> I talked to Isabel yesterday for a long time, and I'm super excited to have her on. She is going to give us the lowdown on stop on stop fighting food. She's going to give us the lowdown on how to not be crazy around. Because diets are bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit diets. Okay. Uh-huh. Jenny, you want to tell them where they can find us? Yes, you can find us at bodytalkpodcast.com, and also you can email us um, body talk at ravishly.com. That is R A V I S H L Y. Forever. Mm-hmm. Dot C O M. Yep. And, and your personal deets? You can find me at jennyberry.com and at jennyb on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and also, Body Talk has an Instagram now. <gasps> at right. Body Talk Podcast. I run it. It's amazing. We have 16 followers, so... <laughs> hey, but maybe, come after, through. maybe after this... Yeah. Oh, wait, maybe we can get Matt to give us a shout-out. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, for me, you can find me at Joni Edelman at ravishly.com for my email. Uh, I am on Instagram as Joni Edelman. I am on Twitter as Joni Baloney, B-O-L-O-N-E-Y. Not spelled the correct way. Um, my personal website is Joni M. Edelman. I also have Joni Edelman, but I don't keep that one up for reasons that I don't need to discuss right now. Um, <laughs> beyond, beyond, we talked about Beyond Before and After. Beyond Before and After also has an Instagram hashtags between each word mm-hmm. and a Facebook group. Not um, hashtags, underscores. Oh, shit. Underscores. I don't know why I said that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, just, I'm not even going to bother. Hash brown real ravishly. Hash brown. <laughs> <laughs> that's from unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt she's trying to say hashtag and she's like hash brown <laughs> I'm not gonna even put this in the blooper reel I'm just gonna leave it in oh yeah cause that's the oh, kind god, of yes, yes. That's, okay. this, that's our mood <laughs> at all times alright peace out we'll see you in two weeks yep. bye guys let, let me, me hear your body talk your body talk Hi. There is so much chaos in our house right is, now. Is that Matt? okay? Let me just yeah. Can you hear him? Uh, no, because I don't, don't have my headphones <laughs> on. Jenny's like derp. I need Hi, headphones. Hi, Matt. This is Jenny. <laughs> Hi. How's it going? Good. So, my eighteen-year-old is he just came out of his room recently because it's ten o'clock and that's the time eighteen-year-olds come out of their room. And his girlfriend oh. is here. Brooklyn. Brooklyn's here, and the dogs are here and Matt just came down my Matt just came downstairs to make coffee and Kelsey is sitting here eating donuts powdered donuts (laughs) because she wants to torture us with her donuts I offered some to both of you don't you start I just realized that like Matt Edelman's sure it's Bernie yeah it's Bernie I thought it was just like a white garland but it's (laughs) (laughs) 
So we're going to, anyway, all the point of this is we're going to give it a second so that shit dies down before we start the actual podcast. And in the meantime...